Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Little Toby Keith. My go-to karaoke. But I've never done that, so I'm not sure if it can be. But if I did, I would crush this song. She left the yellow and a long neck bottle on the table beside my bed. You, is it live or is it fucking Memorex? Okay, joining me from San Clemente is the Nightingale himself, Florence Jeff Kenny. Jeff, how are you? I'm good, thank you. All right, hold on. We're going to come back to you in a second. And joining me from McAllen, Texas, is Maryland's own. Maryland's own. Were you born in Maryland, Tim? No, I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. No, that's, I was close. I was close. I was yeah. good. I was yeah, good. That was quality. And from upstate New York, from the Empire State, Will Costantini. Will, how are you? Great. Here in the beautiful, windy, and cold Midwest. Yeah, it's, I think it's windy everywhere. Um, is it windy in McAllen, Texas? It sure is. And it's what about the the 60, 60 degrees and raining. That's, oh, uh, no that's, that's, that's as cold as it gets down here, yeah. Well, we got uh, we got a little Santa Ana thing going on with a lot of wind out here on the left coast. So, so here's a question for you, Jeff: Have you ever sung karaoke? Never, never. E- even as drunk as you've been, you've never been drunk and said, "Yeah, that's me. Let's go. Let's do this shit." Never. Well, let me caveat that. <laughs> One time I was drunk, and it was in it was recently. It was in 2015, I think. I was sitting alone in my living room in um, at Camp Lejeune, and I was singing the song uh, Seagull by uh, the Bad Company, uh, you know? And right. uh, my, my, my wife taped it, <laughs> and then she showed it to me, and um, I said, have you sent this to anybody else? She said, no. I go, I don't want to have to commit murder, but no other human can see this recording no other human can see this so so yeah i did it's, it's so you, so so the answer so the answer to that is no with a with a, with a footnote yes all right. with a footnote. all right timmy you ever sang karaoke i i don't i got a hazy memory from a long ago but i don't think it was me and i'm gonna go with no <laughs> No, I I I might have. What I, song I, I in the recall. hazy memory? What song was sung? A ZZ Top, a ZZ Top song. Whoa, that's not an yeah. easy one to pull off. Will? Well, there's only a few words. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's relatively simple. But I don't think it was me. I don't think so. How about you, Will? You're a man. You're a man of arts and letters. Did have you ever? Yeah, I listen. I still have my man card. I've never bought light beer for my own consumption. I've never sung karaoke. So wow, <laughs> that's impressive. That's impressive. Not many. Not many who drink old fashions can say that. So that's, a fact. that's it. Why? Um, so. I don't feel really optimistic on this inauguration, uh, about this inauguration that just happened yesterday. Um, or you, is, is it, do I stand alone? I don't see, I don't see the things that are hallmarks of a representative democracy, and that is, um, you know, elections that, that people believe in, right? I don't see a respect for the truth, and I don't see. A, a willingness to compromise 
And so because of that, I see I see dark clouds on the horizon for the nation. I see more violence uh, ahead for the nation. Um, Jeff, your thoughts on that? Am, am I alone? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Uh, the inauguration, just in the rearview mirror, uh, what do you think? Um, I'm very pessimistic. I think, uh, I think it, it's, uh, it's, it's a horrific thing, you know? I mean, uh, and, and not only is it bad that we just got this guy who I don't have, I just don't respect his record, you know, his record of achievement, his record of bad deeds, um, and even not really seriously bad deeds, but just a, a pattern of, uh, you know, dishonesty and everything. Now, besides that, I feel that uh, there's a, uh, there's a, like an emotion on the side that did vote for these people that we got now to do harm to those who voted for the other way. And, uh, and to the point where they're willing to uh, make speech, certain types of speech, illegal. And, uh, like, for me, it's like there's 155 million votes got cast. 81 million of them went to Biden. 74 million of them went to Trump. That's 150. But, unfortunately, there's only about 141 registered voters. So the other 14 million, uh, did they, or those, is it really Trump? Does Trump really have only 60 million? Somehow I don't think so. So, I mean, you can't even say that. It's not even countenance during this thing that any kind of irregularity isn't even um investigated and i mean by people on both sides there's been an intimidation everybody from the former uh you know attorney general to a lot of the republicans right now in both uh, houses of congress obviously intimidated and uh you know or at least wanting to they just think that whatever struggle comes with trying to uncover the truth isn't worth it and they just let it go. And if you don't let it go like them, then there's threats. Right now, the threats are verbal and you know written and kind of implied. But uh, some things have already happened. Uh, big tech, they have cut, they have shut off people who are saying things they don't agree with, and for no other reason except they don't agree with them. And that is uh, that is a bad thing. That's a horrific thing. Uh, Tim, how about you? Um, are you? Are you optimistic, pessimistic? Uh, how would you characterize yourself the day after Inauguration Day? I'm going after Jeff, so I can't say pessimistic and I agree with everything Jeff said, but I do, <laughs> you see. But I'm going to switch up. I'm going to go optimistic. Are you going to go Nightingale? Like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go optimistic. I'm, I'm going to go non-Nightingale and say I'm feeling optimistic because there's one thing America hates more than a sore loser. And that's somebody who rubs it in, who tries to humiliate the already vanquished and rub it in. The guy that kick the kids that pile on to somebody that's already been beat. That's what America hates. And that's what we see happening right here, as, as Jeff described. And it's not just the government. It's the entire culture coming down and talking about making lists and reeducation and blah, blah, blah. And I know it's all hyperbole. And I know that the Democrats are excited and they're all giddy and things like this. But what the uh, what today is, is a tragedy for one reason. Joe Biden was set up by Donald Trump to become a great man. All he had to do was come in and say the following. 
The people that were here on January 6th had legitimate grievances, and they had a right to protest. It's unfortunate some of them got out of hand, just like he's been saying about the BLM, right? I am not going to stack the Supreme Court. I'm not going to bring D.C. and Puerto Rico into the union, and I'm not going to come after your guts. I want to be the president of all Americans. He could have said that on January 7th, and I'd be a supporter right now. And everybody would be calm, and we'd be a little bit happy. But we're not doing that because it's not in their nature to 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 be smart about anything. The guy's been wrong for 40 years. He's wrong right now. And it's going to be amusing watching what they do and try to pass off as legitimate leadership because uh, you've already, you're already seeing it by appointing people who are confirmed racists, uh, the right way, of course, uh, with the positions of prominence, promoting that the hideous uh, – Secretary of, of whatever from Pennsylvania, the Secretary of Health, who who moved her mother out of the nursing home before she sent people there with the COVID. And, and, and oh no, no, no. He's already throwing all of this in our face. Wait a minute. To I thought you said you were optimistic. I am optimistic. It's gonna be fun to watch this. Oh. How can you watch the Secretary of Health and not laugh your ass off? Who the hell's gonna to listen to somebody that looks like that? Jesus. You're kidding a- me. I think she's the deputy, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. She'll be in front. She'll be in front. You wait and see. Yeah. She's a camera hog. She All looks right. so good. Yeah. I'll be funny. It's going to be funny and it's disgusting, but a nation divided cannot stand, my friend, and I don't see where the reconciliation is going to come from. It's certainly not out of this administration. Got it. All right. Uh, William, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, imagine if the people that were at the Constitutional Convention in 1786-1787 were at the inauguration, and they saw <laughs> 25,000 troops and fencing to keep out the great unwashed. They never would have voted to put this thing together. Uh, they would have said, you know what? There's no way that this republic will ever live. Uh, but that's what we got. And... Uh, the idea that we took 25,000 National Guardsmen um, to secure against what? You know, we needed 25,000 National Guardsmen four years ago. People forgot what happened on Inauguration Day four years ago. There were riots in Washington, D.C. Yep. Buildings burned, police cars got burned, cops got injured. Uh, people threatened the president personally. People threatened uh, to burn down the White House and do all those kinds of things, but we've forgotten that. So the narrative is strong out there. Uh, uh, and uh, the idea that people just don't believe the election, you've now gone beyond the pale. It was better to be a Soviet apologist in the 70s and 80s than to be someone who stands up and says, you know, I don't think that election was kosher. Um, in the 70s and 80s, there would have been people on in public for saying, you know, the Russians, they're really not that bad. Nowadays, <laughs> you say, ah, there seem to be some irregularities. Boom. If you care about such things and you need a job, there went that. You can't coach your kid's little league team. Uh, don't even bother showing up at church. You know, so we're we're in a really bad spot. Um, I don't know. Oh, well, I'm having 
we're having connection problems with grinding. Will. Oh, okay, go ahead, Will. Yeah, we're we're just going to have this grinding down of shit. This is the best part, too. I know. It's like you're waiting for it, waiting for it. <laughs> so when he comes Sorry. back, room. Are you there, Will? I'm here. Can you hear me? Grinding, grinding down. You left us in suspense. Timmy fell off his chair. We're going to have this grinding down of the of the civil discourse uh, that is, there will never. Unbelievable. I think we're being targeted by big tech, Mac. Yeah, they don't. They're on the will. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's that guy from New York. Hey, what? you guys there? My connection looks good. Sorry. Mine, mine's good. It's got to be you. Well, or someplace in between. So, so wait. Um, what were you saying now? <laughs> right at the I end. I was saying. Right at the end. I, I don't think that there's going to be widespread violence. There will be some. But there's this grinding down of the civil discourse. Okay, let me. Okay, let, means, let, so let me ask you a question. We don't, I don't think we have civil discourse in this country anymore. If so, where Jeff? Can you tell me where to find civil discourse in this country, in any great measure? No, I can't because uh, you know what, what would happen is you'd be uh, well, you'd either be shouted down or physically attacked in some places. You know. Okay. That, All right. Uh, let me, Tim. Civil discourse in this country, does it exist anymore? It, it, it doesn't exist. We don't have a unified theory of facts on which we can agree to base it upon. All right. Well, right. so, so real. now that you've been, been dissuaded of that notion, what say ye to that? Well, the idea that you can still run a radio program is a small piece of it. How, oh. how you know, don't dare get your head above the rampart, though. Right. Yeah. Don't get a million people uh, that listen to you every day, uh, and those kinds of things. What what can you say uh, to anyone in uh, you know your neighborhood, a city council meeting, anything like that? That stuff is going to rapidly get shut down. Um, it's being shut down at the national level. But when it gets down to that local level and it's neighbors against neighbors and, and small-time politics gets there, then what do you do as a country? You know, think of – Tim has talked about this before. You know, what, what will eventually unite us? Some huge outside threat. What <laughs> happens if we get a big outside threat? Right. How many, how many people are going to say, it's not worth fighting for this? Yeah. Mm, that's a good point. And we've never been there in this country. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I agree. I don't think that violence will be widespread. Uh, although, although, what would you call the violence this past summer? We watched it. We've watched it for the better part, you know, of what seven, eight months. Yeah. What would you I call it? Tell you something. Think if think if there were some some uh, conservative populist, if that's a term, uh, rally. You want to see uh, the power of the state come down 
it won't be we're going to abandon the third precinct in Minneapolis at that point. Right. Uh, yeah, there's you know, two that would be the cops in Chicago dealing with hippies in 1968. Yeah, that's what you'll see. Yeah, the but, uh, like the violence you had post uh, the end of the draft in 1973. We had like the the weather underground, I mean, they're, you know, setting off a lot of bombs, but they're pretty incompetent like this crew. Right. You know, they're like the pajama boys you see out there. They weren't, they, most of the time they, they, they hurt themselves with their attempts at being really violent. And then they all got cushy, you, you know, university jobs now like Bernadette Dorn and uh, Bill Ayers. Right. But they should still be in prison if you ask me. No, this is uh, like Will was saying, there's no, uh, there's nobody who really knows how to put a hurt on somebody who's actually committing this violence yet, yeah yeah you know? right yeah so that that's uh that, that's a key figure i'll tell you one thing that might cause uh you know a boiling over and that is if all of a sudden um or suddenly they allow people to just cross the border in big numbers then uh the, the, a lot of these people are convinced that their troubles are over much like you know the Pollyannish view that like my grandparents and my great grandparents had about coming over from Ireland, coming over from Italy, it was going to be peaches and cream. And it wasn't, it was, there was opportunity, but it was hard to recognize amid all the extortion and poverty and living like crap in the cities on the East coast. And so, but once, but if these folks come, this is an age of uh, instant gratification. If they don't get it, you know, then you might see some uh, massive crime and the crime will make people, um, what may be the thing that pushes people over the edge as far as uh, taking law into their own hands. And you've already seen it in a mild way in the, like in, in Orange County, California, for instance, the, uh, a lot of the lockdown stuff is just ignored by the county sheriff because it's ridiculous and stupid. I mean, the, you know, the, the governor keeps coming out with more, uh, you know, draconian things. Now they want you to wear a mask in your house and uh, you know, and, but yet, if you go to Orange County, most of the places are open, and they just ignoring it. And the reason is because they're trying to stay afloat, and uh, and there hasn't been any concentrated effort to uh, really lean on the like the Orange County Sheriff, who's uh, a hero in my book. As is the uh, the guy in Riverside County. They're like, you know, we're not doing it. People well, need to make you, a living. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, you know. Now you're going to take those calls. You're already, you know, most of these departments are under un, under man, and now you're now you're going to add all these other phone calls because somebody calls in and says, "Hey, they're open for business." Now the deputy's yeah. got. I mean, I mean, honestly, it the, the enforcement piece is is is. I'll be kind and say not well thought through. But I yes. I, I just want to go back to, um, I, so articulate discourse dead, right? You can't compromise anymore politically or else you get called a sellout and you'll have uh, an opponent in your own party's primary. So I, I don't I don't understand how it how it gets better unless something horrific happens. And that's why I think ultimately it will not until something horrific does. So, Mac, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a number of people and I don't know where they come from or what side they're on with weapons and they go kill a bunch of people. And they and they and and this these things are manufactured like a lot of the information that those yahoos at the Capitol had, right? And so you see a legitimate protest, right, by the vast majority of those people that went there peacefully and went home peacefully. 
you see that get overtaken by a, a couple thousand people, right? And so, and then you and then you listen to the things they say. Where does this stuff come from? It all comes from these, you know, these these rabbit holes on the internet, all promoted by Google, all promoted by Facebook, right? And you hear them; they they tick down this whole, you know, this whole mosaic of of, of facts and fantasy to build you this. This is why I'm here thing. And so, so to me, this is what. The new, the nightly news. It doesn't focus on the truth and what's news in the country. Just the craziest shit that happens. So you'll click on it or watch it, and then social media grabs that and whips it into a frenzy, right? Google and YouTube put it out everywhere, and we wonder how the fuck we get to both extremes. It's paid. The way is paid by profit. The hundreds of billions of dollars that these corporations make off what they do. And the only thing that matters is being first with the hottest. And, and it's, it's destroying the nation. And Will's right. Articulate discourse. And when I hear that, I think of McNeil Lear. Smart people, right, in a, in a well-moderated forum, footnoting their answers, disagreeing, offering counterpoints in a, in a collegial, respectful way. There was always a great place that you could go to find out the truth, and hear both sides. We don't have anything like that. Nothing close to that anymore. And so, I, 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 again, how does the system reform itself? Generally, it takes something horrific happening before a system does. And, and we're not there yet because nobody sees the need to compromise. I mean, if you look at you know, Joe Biden, you know, he wants to unify the nation. His immigration, his immigration proposal has taken out something that he's voted for as a senator, and that is what? Securing the southern border, right? doesn't even exist in his proposal anymore. And somehow or other, that's going to fly. So I don't, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm pessimistic about the direction of the nation. Timmy, um, is there any reason for optimism? I can't, I, I, I can't, I cannot detect any because I cannot detect where, where, where there's any, any type of an effort to, to, to get us all on some semblance of the same page and oriented in the same, in the same direction. And, and we also are not, we've got to deal with an increasing phenomenon of, of AI. There are a lot of mid-grade lawyers, doctors, other professionals whose functions are going to be replaced by AI. There's a lot of managerial functions already replaced by AI. Hospital billing staffs are 25% of what they were 10 years ago because of AI and automatic automation. And so what do you do with all the people who are not part of that sliver of the 1% who are making most of the money as our economy continues to polarize? Because that's the issue. We're rapidly evolving into a society that doesn't have a place for a middle class. There is very limited hope that my children can attain what I did, and I'm not going to attain what my parents did. Uh, that, that, that thing of our children over overachieving us appears to be over. So there's a lot of things that are, that are disruptive that are right in front of our faces, and we're not even talking, them, talking about them because we're – we're involved in all the drama that the narrative is spinning up to get everybody all excited and concerned. And so I don't see, I see no hope. I, I see continuing polarization and possibly an opportunity for some warlordism 
and that's an area I have some experience in. So I'm kind of a little, little anticipatory, a little excited about the prospect. Well, <laughs> Will, um, any reason for optimism, Will? Well, I, I mean, only in a bad way. You know, Tim talked about earlier is overreach. And so we're into a huge overreach now, and it's not going to moderate uh, in the next six months to 18 months for sure. Um, you do see some interesting things. Uh, Andrew Cuomo and uh, the mayor of Chicago have both come out in the last week saying, Gavin, hey, we got open business. You know, so COVID may get cured uh, by the inauguration, as we've been saying for three months. Um, so allowing people to go back to work. Uh, and interesting, just the phrase I used, allowing people to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, you know, as if the government says what you can and can't do. But if the overreach becomes extreme, does it feed uh, a populist you know, Tea Party sort of thing that can uh, coalesce people because the coalition of the left is really uh, stretched thin. They needed Donald Trump to hate to be able to coalesce. Uh, And so that, you know, no one on the far edge of the left is going to be happy with anything Biden does. And the people sort of on the center of the left are going to be appalled by what he does Without a Donald Trump to hate, and if this overreach generates a coalition of people, you know, on the center right to the right, then maybe there can be a snapback. But throw in the factor that who knows what happens in the next election. You know, I was with uh, I was over with my neighbor this morning and uh, took a little ride with him. He had to pick up a piece of furniture. He needed some heavy lifts. So I decided to go supervise <laughs> um, and we were just talking and, and he said, you know, blah, 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 vaccine business, but we'll, we'll always be wearing masks. What? So, yeah. So you got a guy in the middle of Kansas who believes he's going to wear a mask for the rest of his life. Is that, and, and, and he, that guy is and a is natural, he, protect- you know, center right type of person. Is he gonna coalesce to push back again? I don't know. I don't know if he is. Um, the narrative is strong out there. Uh, and and the ability for people to coalesce on the right is going to be very restricted by tech. Um, when it becomes illegal to stand up and say, you know, I think there were some irregularities in this election. And so when Jeff volunteers to work as a poll watcher in Orange County, well, he's just stood up and declared himself to be a, you know, a member Life. of the, uh, the Nazi party because he doesn't believe the current narrative. You know, that, that makes it very hard. Um, but that's really the only hope is that the political system holds the way the founders designed it to hold. Um, but it's broken on these things before. Look, the, the civil war was basically a fundamental inability to compromise, right? right? Well, you know, again, that's, 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 a, that's the important lesson to me that's so frustrating. That's not getting taught relative to, 
you know, Confederate monuments and base names. Is that why did we do this? Why did the nation do it? Right? Oh, because it's racist. No. In 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 a, in a day and time in our nation's history, when we had ten percent, ten percent of our current population, we had thirty-one million people. We fought the bloodiest war in our history that affected every corner of the nation, every corner, in a, in, in, a, in a big way. And in order to bind the nation together again, there was compromises made. And, and, and we don't even many, come fucking close, you know, to, nah. to, to teaching, you know, that you had to allow the South to mourn. You had to allow the South to honor their war dead. You had to allow the South to venerate them. We don't teach any of that. It's all chucked off, chucked off to racism. You know, it's just so fucking painful to watch. It's like the idiots that we used to leave behind at the university have now infected, completely, not only infected, but taken over the media, you know, except for small slivers of it. And now they control the media think, and they control big tech. Think, think of, you know... We've talked about this on the show before. At, at the end of the war, and a big party came to the White House, and they had the president come out and speak, and the band was playing, and he asked the band to play Dixie as a sign of reconciliation. If that would happen today, what song would Joe Biden pick? He'd pick We Are the Champions, right? You know, that's the difference. Yeah. There is no one up there who but can say we too, need to reach across because – yeah, they were the enemies yesterday. They are Americans today. There's no one there that's, that is showing any proclivity to do that. And can I make yeah. a, a quick point, Mac? Sure. The, uh, the, the, the erection of monuments and the honoring of the Southern heritage started not to heal from the Civil War. It was to heal to what we did to them after the Civil War with Reconstruction because what we did, our conduct there was atrocious. I, atrocious. Would, I would disagree and say the war yeah. had had a lot to do with it. No, it has, of course it has a lot to do with it. That's what the monuments are. are, are but they weren't established until after we had uh, well, uh, no. Reconstruction. And, and, what, what, as, as a, and I think you could draw a parallel to, to today in, in terms of of are we uh, are we, is there any policy overture that's been made that would tell you that 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 this is going to be inclusive blah 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 and the answer to yes. that is yes there is was no there was. The well, was there was the screening of all the national guard troops to get all the racists out there's there's a policy <laughs> there's there's your there, there's your peace offering right there. Oh, we're going to bring in the National Guard, except for we got to screen your social media accounts. Uh, okay. So there, there's there's your so there's so there's branch. nothing. So so to me, I think it's interesting. The Civil War is interesting. You know, an inability to compromise. So I, I would think you would see the same type of rhetoric, intolerant rhetoric, um, and the the you know no ability to compromise, and we have a we have a civil war. And and to me, we're on we're on a path. We're on that same path, where you know people on the left look at people on the right and say they're all racist. People on the right look at people on the left left and say they're all radicals. And 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 how does that come about? You know, because we have this stripe down the middle, and the eighty percent of us who 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 have the same three three quarters of that eighty percent have the same values. 
right? And that is what's under the bell curve, right? They're disenfranchised because this inability to compromise. And when you can't compromise, you empower the people on the fringes because you need their fucking votes, right? And that and that's what you see. And until the people in the middle can say, you know, hey, we've got to, you know, we got to do business together, man. We are we are killing this thing, but you can't do it. Because the franchise is, and I think maybe term limits may, may have may cure this. Because if I can't stay there forever, then I need to come and do the right thing. Because There's something else, the Polterboro. The yeah. There's something else though too. There's something Go else. Go ahead. There's something else is this: it's very lucrative to be in charge and in government. And uh, I mean, look at we got President Obama, President Biden, um, President Clinton. Went into the White House with you know worth a couple hundred grand apiece. They're both all three of them are worth in excess of fifty million dollars now. How? And not only them, almost everybody. Everyone. You yeah. know. So if you can get into government and you can gin up some reason to hire a lot of people to work for that government, and you get money, you know, quartered towards that, you have a lot of power. You have power, and with that comes money. And that has been one constant struggle between people like Abraham Lincoln and his party and the people on the other side. Everything, you know, the, uh, when they, whenever you compromise with the other side, the side that wants slavery, okay, well, you end up with, you don't have slavery anymore, you had a big bloodbath, but oh, look, now you got, you know, you got Jim Crow and black people can't vote. So you have another big upheaval, right? Uh, and, 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 you, and you have people who are on the other side refusing like you have Northern Democrats who refuse to push Southern Democrats. And I'm talking people like Franklin Roosevelt and, and even Harry S. Truman refusing to push him, allowing him to continue that injustice just for the sake of staying in power. And then so you, they finally do a big turnaround in the 60s, and now they're all for you know, black people. They can't be for them enough. But so we compromise with them again. And when we, what we end up with the slaughter of unborn children unborn children every year and we just kind of go with that you know hey it's a woman's right to choose we always go along with it and we're left with some big festering thing that becomes a you know an issue and now the issue is these people are used to us bending over when things get tough because it's been the way we've been since 1865 and so consequently you know this was a real pushback this thing with donald trump he doesn't, he's not one of these guys who needs the government to make a shitload of money. He's not one of these guys. He no kidding wants to do what he told people he was going to do to get elected. And he, and in spite of all odds, he mostly does it. They will hate him till the sun burns out and anybody who is for him. And that in itself is a huge threat that you can ignore it. You can hope it goes away, but it probably won't. It'll probably get worse because it works for him. So you got to resist somehow. I mean, I think the way to do it, you know, in the short term is uh, you push hard for these 2022 congressional seats. We push to get as many as we can and not necessarily for the it is the Republican Party, but not necessarily for, you know, Republican or Democrat. But the idea of somebody who says, look, the big thing about us is personal liberty, not largesse, not making sure people have money, not not universal income, which is now starting to come to the fore. I Tim, you kind of hit on it. What do you need all these drones doing phony jobs for? We'll just give them a stipend, have them watching Netflix and smoking dope, and we'll call it good. So 
that's the thing. We want to preserve our liberties. And the only way to do that, you know, is right now is an honest ballot box. And the more people get involved, then maybe we can make some of these, make it harder to fraud elections, you know, like has become, you know, so to me obvious in this last one. Timmy, Timmy thoughts on any of that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, if, 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 if the Biden administration comes in and starts doing all the things I said that they they the, were talking about, the bringing in Puerto Rico, D.C., the packing the Supreme Court, coming after the guns and whatnot, there is one state in the union, only one state, that has its own power grid and its own gold depository. That would be the state of Texas. And I can promise you, promise you, because I've already been hearing this, if he does that, if he makes all the red states pay all the money to the blue states because they've already bankrupted their retirement systems. They're all out of money. New York, Minnesota, Washington, Oregon, they're all of them broke. If he makes us make good on their debt, which would technically be fair because everybody made good on our debt when we, we became a state, but let's ignore the facts. If he makes us do that, there is a serious, and I mean dead serious move for Texas to say, we're not going to be part of the union anymore. And that that threat, legitimate threat, may temper some of the madness in D.C. Because I, I guarantee you there are people here in, in, that are in power that are serious about not putting up with that. There is no way they're going to. And they yeah, but the they're, po- they're politicians. Now, how would you like that? They're politicians. I don't believe a fucking word they say. No, that's, no, no. no. That's just, business guys. In, in, no, business in, in my guys. opinion, that's just Texas bullshit. They'll go along with oh. it at the end of the day to preserve their own wealth, Timmy. That's the way it fucking goes. Well, yeah, but it, it, but it worked for everybody's benefit. You don't get a vote anymore, right? Yeah. The government is in your paycheck every week. Right. So you don't get to vote on it. You don't, you know, when you do your tax return, most people are trying to get a little bit of their money back. They're not paying a lot at the end of the year. The government's already got your money. Okay. All right. So um, I don't know what else to talk about. Anybody got a topic other than this shit? Um, I'm uh, I'm not uh, I'm not obviously I'm not optimistic about the future of the country, and and again I don't care who's in charge. Our inability to act like leaders, those people that have been elected to to act like that, it's disgusting, and um, and we alienate people on both sides, and we got to grow up as leaders. We got to grow up as leaders, and, and any good solution in a political system normally makes both sides unhappy, and those are hard things to come to. But we, we don't have the people, we don't have the human capital that's capable of doing that shit, and so I, I so I am I am pessimistic. All right, let's talk about something else. Um, let's talk about um, I don't really have a subject. I want to talk about birding. Let's talk about birds. Talk about what? Birds. You know how how, Eve, how how Sledge would say birds? Birds. Because today, today coincidentally, is the first time this year I've seen a gray-headed chuckalucka uh, up here in McAllen. So they're, they're, they're drifting up from the south. How do birds we know you're telling me for truth. some reason? Yeah, we don't. I mean, come on. To me, are, you like, are, you dr- are you drinking this morning? <laughs> No, but I did see a chuck of luck of the day, and I don't know what else to talk about because I, I, the, the next thing that pisses me off is the COVID thing. 
And I, yeah. I had to do a term paper. I did a, I did a, a paper in public administration because Rio Grande Valley is like 80% of the population here is obese, right? And so they 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 do a, a they gave us a position paper saying it's due to 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 it being a food desert. And I went, I oh Jesus, did I go crazy? Food desert here in Rio Grande Valley. So I looked at, but I had to do uh, ACA footnotes. So I looked up a bunch of stuff. I spent a day doing this, totally destroying this thing, basically coming to the conclusion the only thing we can do is limit outdoor advertising. And it all made sense. It's a beautiful three-page of nothing but powerful, uh, well, semi-lucid thoughts from me with, uh, with footnotes. All right. All right. Yeah. Will, any, Will, anything exciting uh, going on in your life? Um, anything you want to share with the group? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm uh, heading back up to New York this weekend. That's uh, exciting. So I'll be up there for weeks, uh, so I'll get to drive across the country again. Um, What's your favorite part yeah, about driving across the country? Well, you know, it normally is I enjoy seeing the country. Yeah, I really do. Uh, so do I. The problem is I seventy between oh the Mississippi River and Columbus, Ohio. It's one gray cut down cornfield after another this time of year. So it's really the least scenic part uh, of the whole country. Um, do you, do you, do you have a favorite, to, uh, do you have a favorite drive you've ever made? I mean, you've been around, I mean, you've been on the West coast, you've been on the East coast, you're a Northeast kind of guy. You have a favorite stretch of uh, the country that you drive. Well, I mean, when you, when you come out of uh, the whole thing from like, uh, I think it's Cheyenne, all the way into Northern California, you know, through Salt Lake City, the desert, then up yeah. through the Sierra Nevadas. Right. I mean, that's a phenomenal stretch of, of highway. All right. Uh, all right. Hold that, hold that thought. Jeff, do you have a favorite uh, drive that you like? <laughs> well, first of all, every morning when I shave, I see a, Jay, a gray-headed chuckle hicker or whatever it is Tim said. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> yes, I do. Number no, yes, I, I am a great <laughs> Number two, um, Will is, that's fascinating. It's like, Will is like a disgruntled Charles Corral. You know, he's driving all over the place, and, you know. Charles <laughs> so, Corral was never yeah. dis disgruntled, by the way. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. You know, but, uh, so, it's good. Will could be like the guy in No Country for Old Men. Call it. You know, I could see Will going into a gas station, asking a guy to call it, you know flip a coin and have them call it you know but uh it's just amusing to me and that's how bad it is i mean uh i'm looking for something to be happy about the happiest thing happens this happened to me now is i got this cold. Well, hold on hold on hold on i don't yeah. give a fuck about your cold yet we'll get oh, to you your said, fucking cold you what? what's going on good with no you. i said what's what's your favorite stretch in the country to drive oh now that's a good one thank you i would say my favorite stretch in the country to drive is um, from uh, your Walsenburg. Your, ha your house to Big Helens? No. no that's, uh, I don't even need to turn. The car knows the way to carry the sleigh on that one. <laughs> no, uh, no, I think it's the, the trip from Pueblo, Colorado, down to, uh, up, down to Walsenburg, Colorado, up into the San Luis Valley where, like, Creed is. That was my recruiting area when I was a, a staff sergeant. And uh, it was just gorgeous, you know? And uh, so it was just, you know, it's that part of Colorado. It's like sometimes there'll be elk all over the road. 
you know, it was, uh, I'd go up there, it'd be like 80 degrees in the morning and the way back there'd be a blizzard, you know? So, uh, it's the Rockies, you know, it was very nice. Right. All right. Timmy, your favorite stretch to drive? Idaho Falls to Bozeman, Montana on old highway 20. That's, it goes right through West Yellowstone. It's a beautiful drive. It takes a yeah. long time. You can listen to a book tape. And, and every time when I was on recruiting duty, when they had these uh, commanding officer calls, I would always tell the uh, the colonel, I said, hey, sir, I'm, I'm up I'm up here. West, I got to get going. The snow's stacking up because I'd be up there and it'd be getting snowing in June and stuff. So I, in the summer, I'd right. always tell them I was up there. And I was getting snowed. I got to go <laughs> to try to get off those stupid cars. My, but, man, I love that drive. My favorite. And this has only happened. I, first of all, the western part of the country is absolutely breathtaking, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, as everybody has indicated, but when you drive on I forty, right, and from about uh, from in northern Arizona, uh, from about Flagstaff through Albuquerque and towards Amarillo, that is one of the most spectacular drives in the country. It, I mean, those bluffs that you see. I mean, you feel like you're in a western, but it's it's the most, I think, one of the most breathtaking drives, just the buttes and the, and the size and the, and it's just, I, I think it's absolutely good. And because it's kind of at elevation, um, it's green, unlike a lot of the lower, lower deserts when you go through Tucson and Las Cruces and El Paso and, and, and that part. But I, northern Arizona, northern New Mexico, you know, that, uh, that, that northern part of Texas, um, uh, just to me is one of the most spectacular drives in the country. But, uh, so anyway, all right, now, Jeff, let's get back to your cold. So now we'll do, okay. now we'll do old man health. Um, <laughs> now we'll do, now we'll do old man health. Um, go ahead, Jeff, tell us about your cold, please. So I'm trying to avoid all this COVID stuff. Uh, I caught, a, uh, like a head cold. So I'm sneezing and I, uh, and I have like a little bit of a nose runniness, you know, and uh, itchy eyes. That's about it. And uh, it just won't go away. So, you know, I took some of that uh, uh, Theraflu yesterday and uh, it's working a little bit better. And but uh, the thing that, that that jumps out at me is, uh, you know, how, um, you know, how how much the co- COVID stuff has just swamped everything else. I mean, I think you could have uh, you could have leprosy now with your nose hanging off, and no one would give a shit unless you were COVID positive. You know. Oh, so you're saying you'd get turned away at the hospital, saying you you have no symptoms of COVID? Yeah, yeah. yeah but I don't my, think I my, do my nose is falling off. Sorry, yeah. we're not seeing general practicing type accounts right now. That's right. Hey, watch out for that guy. There's a gray-headed chucklehead with a, <laughs> with a red nose trying to get in the door. It's a it's a chuckalucka. Chuckalucka. Timmy, how's your how's your physical health? Uh, I, I, it's it's well, it's okay. I, I've 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 got issues. All of them are 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 under control. I pay strict attention to like my diet and shit, which is awfully frustrating because it's annoying. But uh, I'm, I'm not a decision maker on what I eat anymore, so that's just the way it is. All right. You know? How about you, I'm Will? Doing, I'm Will, doing pretty good. How about you, Will? How's your health since we're doing old man health today? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, other than the fact that I had COVID and cancer <laughs> last year, you know, I'm, in, I'm in some of the best shape that I've been in in 20 years. Uh, <laughs> since COVID started, I lost uh, about 20 pounds. Woo! And, uh, yeah. 
so all that is good. I got plenty of time to peruse YouTube and you can find some people that'll teach you how to stretch, work out, do this, do that. So I'm all about it. And, uh, not being concerned about gainful employment, you know, if you're not in shape, it's your own fault. Uh, so yeah, I'm good. Wow. Yeah, wow. you could uh, you can you can follow the Swede, Max. You want to do that? You guys remember the Swede from uh, no. from uh, Heartbreak Ridge? No. Yes. Oh, okay. So that, that that big giant guy that came in and, and, and Eastwood kicked his ass. He was a defensive end for uh, for for uh, Kansas City at the time, and now his his name's oh God, Pete. I forget, but he does these thirty seconds at a time videos, and they are I do his workouts. They're brutal. They're Pete Koch. Peter Kosh, 30 seconds at a time. Doing those workouts will make him puke. I, I mean, that guy is hard. But it's, so but it's, it's like fun. a Tabata. Yeah. Yeah, but this, you know, it's, it's still, it's, yeah, it's cool. JJ. There's a great guy on YouTube named Alan Thrall, who was a Marine. At, he was at Eighth uh, and I and did the body, oh. you know, carried the uh, casket things. Yeah. And he's got That'd a gym cool. in Northern California and he's got a, uh, a YouTube channel, and he's really good on there. Yeah. All right, what are you reading, Jeff? Maybe you should go last. Would you actually have the balls to copy what somebody else is reading? Maybe. I'll just I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you. I'll tell the truth. It won't be easy. But so if somebody gets me, I'll admit it. All right, Timmy. Timmy, what are you reading? Well, um. I, I, I actually, I'm not, I'm not reading much of anything because I've been doing homework. What I've been listening to is a TR Fahrenbach's book on Texas again because it calms me. But uh, other, I'm not reading anything new at the moment. Fahrenbach's book on Texas. What is it? Is it a, a biography of Texas? What is it? Well, it's the definitive uh, history of Texas. It's a gigantic sweeping panorama of, uh, of the entire place, starting, you know, starting with uh, the Pleas... Ple- Ple- Pleistocene ages. God, I can't pronounce these things right. Don't worry at about any it. rate, we don't. Yeah, we wouldn't understand rate, it anyway. Yeah, starts what? at the beginning. It's kind of like a, a kind of like a Michener work then. Exactly the exactly what I was going to say. Michener esque. Yeah. Like yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. When you when you start Poland by Michener, it starts with Yawn of the Birch Trees in like 400 <laughs> A.D. Yeah. 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 Will, what are you reading? I'm uh, I'm going to finish a book uh, I talked about last week called The Age of Gold by H.W. Brands. It's about the gold rush. And uh, it's, it's interesting because the gold rush part of the book is only the first half. And then the second half is the impact uh, of the gold rush in California on the rest of the country. And here's something I never really put together before. Um, so California became a state different than any other state. Normally, uh, Congress would organize uh, and then allow statehood. Well, California organized itself and sent its constitution, carried by John Fremont, uh, back to D.C. And in many ways, California's statehood uh, helped precipitate the Civil War. Uh, If California, after you took it from Mexico— had become populated in a very slow manner like most of the territories were, uh, 
it would have been fine. But because it became a state so fast, it broke the north-south deadlock of even amount of free soil and slave states. And that that led directly to the, uh, I think they call it Kansas-Nebraska Act, which led to bloody Kansas, uh, John Brown, which brought more and more extremism and people unwilling to accept compromise uh, anymore. Uh, so it's a really, just a really interesting book because it covers Transcontinental Railroad, uh, Settlement of the West, uh, immigrants, uh, and, and all kinds of different things, but at a pace, a pace that had never been seen in American history to that point. Uh, so The Age of Gold by H.W. Brands. Wow. All right. Here's the moment of truth. Jeffrey, what are you reading? These yes. Uh, providentially, I'm not reading any of those. <laughs> I'm reading a book that was recommended to me by Andy Milburn oh. called um, The Road Past Mandalay, which he was t – I met him up here to do some uh, work that we're doing. And uh, and then he recommended this book to me and another one called Bugles and a Tiger, written by a guy named John Masters. But this uh, – the guy who was the uh, – this guy, he was a battalion uh, – a, a Chindit Brigade commander, and um, they were in a – they're in a situation where these four brigades of Chindits had to get up, get past the Japanese uh, up in northern Burma, and they had to infiltrate through in small groups. And uh, he had wounded that he couldn't bring with him. And uh, the Japanese, that war between the Chindits and the Japanese, even more than usual, descended into very nastiness. Why do I why do I know the Chindits? From that, the Chindits are these uh, these uh, native troops like uh, who are controlled by the Brits, right. who are like Chinese Indian, um, you know, people in the Malay area who fought the Japanese under British command. Now, so, now, just for the record, the road past Mandalay is right. ro is different than the road to Mandalay, to Mandalay. which is part yes. of a Kipling poem. Yes, yes, right. How about that? So, How about that for literacy? Very good. Very good. Well, actually, um, I Googled it, so. <laughs> and so um, that's what, and there's a, the, the, I think what happens is the guy has to shoot his own guys to keep him from t being tortured to death. And um, it's a rough story. And I just started it. So and I only know that because Andy kind of previewed it for me when we were talking. We're, but, uh, we're supposed to have dinner this weekend, right? Or, or have dinner or lunch yes. this weekend, right? Yeah, this weekend, That'll be fun. Right? We should I, go to Knowles, by the way. I'll where? have Lori drive so me and Andy can drink. You you know, and where? at least uh, up there by you in Knowles. It's in oh, that's your, your place. Um, that's my place. I, am, I, I started listening last week to um, – and I and, and I said uh, I don't know about three weeks ago that I bought it, but uh, it's called Good to Great, and it's by a guy named Jim Collins, and it's interesting because it's very empirical, and they had a criteria that a company had to go from being a good company relative to corporate earnings to being a great company, and be able to sustain it for a minimum of fifteen years, and and the things they found. So I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and I just want to see if you if if. if if any one of you three rubes has any greatness in you, okay? So, um, do you think that the companies that became great had 
CEOs that were uh, that were that came from within or were from big shots hired from without? Will hold on, no, no, Jeff within. has to, hold on, hold on, within. Jeff. Oh fuck, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, you, Jeff, what do you think? I think within because uh, damn it, you know they, they they got passion for the product. Got it. Or someone Timmy? from without might not have that. Timmy. I think effective companies, it's uh, got to be from within because all these uh, superstars that come with from without, uh, they never seem to do that well. All right. And Will already answered. You're all three right. You have elements of greatness in you. It, and, and again, it's like Walgreens beating the market by like 13, you know, they were 13 times the market over this thing. And, and it's not just because their industry was up. Their industry was up like, you know, four times the market. They were multiples of their industry, right? Okay, what is – give me one word, Jeff, you have to go first. Give me one word that describes uh, these great companies in terms of their planning, operations, and leadership. One word. One word per thing or one word total? No, no, one word total that, would, that, that they found was consistent throughout. Planning operations and leadership. I'd say foresight. All right. Tim? Integrity. Will? Yeah, Tim stole my word, integrity. Discipline. Discipline. How about that? Yeah, how about that? That's better. I like that better. Yeah, and I will tell you what. I didn't know really know what to expect. And uh, and the reason reason I I started listening because, you know, I hear this guy – and in the presentation and doing his talking about the Stockdale paradox, because that's where it comes from. And so I thought, you know, I should listen to the book. The book is, is, is fascinating. And he starts telling stories about Lee Iacocca and what he did at Chrysler. But Chrysler never became a great company. Leo, Lee Iacocca became a big shot. Chrysler did not become a big, big a, a great and lasting and enduring company for any period of time. Then he talks about Walgreens and he talks about these other companies and they had Here's another one. Here's another one. Characteristic of a CEO, right? Um, Jeffrey, give me give me what was one of the consistent characteristics of a CEO. Uh, You're one for two so far. Yeah. I don't want to put any, I, don't, I, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but you're one for two. I'd say uh, curiosity. No. Mm. Tim? So maybe your fucking guy's wrong. How about that? <laughs> Tim, Timothy, you're one for three. I'm, sti- I'm sticking with integrity. It's got to be in there somewhere. You're one for three. William? Jesus. Humility. Bingo. That's why oh. Will's the smartest guy on the panel. Everybody says that. <laughs> the um, Yeah, humility uh, and selflessness. So so pretty interesting, oh, right, when you hear words like and, – and, and, and so, but again – this is empirically driven because he, he, he wanted to stay away from anything notional that could be – it had to be able to be quantified. And, and he goes yeah, through so – Mac, ha- think about what you just said too. So humility, discipline, from within. We know we're an organization that in theory believes in those things. In theory. Right? right. In, theory, in theory. Believes in those things. In theory. Um, you know, when, 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 when we get away from that, 
as a Marine Corps, um, be careful, right? But leaders, you know, the great leaders in the Marine Corps, humility, right. disciplined. Right, right, right. And so, so I would, I would, I would recommend. It. I'm, I'm listening to the audio book, and I have found it. I have found it fascinating. Um, you know, I, I don't know how to, how to, not today because we're done. But at some point, I would like to talk about, uh, get your guys' thoughts on what I see on a reg- every time I go speak. I hear about the barracks war, um, and that is. Um, the war that that a lot of people believe that we're losing, as our staff NCOs have kind of backed out of of, of being the parents of the of the Marine Corps, and people will say, well, you know, people will say, oh no, the pack order didn't impact them. And th- let me tell you the, what what I hear from staff NCOs: look, we don't say this in public, and we're still doing our job, but it's not worth my career. So. If if they're struggling and the difference is for me to put myself in a questionable position, I'm not going to do that, right? And so uh, I, I I don't I don't know exactly how to talk about that, exactly how to frame the issue, but I'd be curious if you guys give that some thought. Maybe next week we'll we'll talk about the barracks war. I I first heard that term maybe six months ago. I never actually heard it, uh, and that is the war of who runs the barracks. Uh, I think it was under General, was it General Amos, Sergeant Major Estrada? Who, when was it that, you know, we didn't own the barracks anymore, Marines do, and we don't have, you know, that's not ours to inspect anymore, uh, that's where they live, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so uh, I think the Marine Corps is still suffering from that. And, uh, and I will tell you this, into that vacuum has moved the senior Lance Corporal. And to include everything there and to pertaining, which tends not to be good at three in the morning. And so uh, I'd like to talk about that with you all and get your thoughts. So anyway. All right. Big plans for the weekend coming up. Jeffrey? Uh, you, no, nothing. You're going to lunch or dinner with me and Andy Billboard. So that's big enough. Yeah. I'm with I that. can't see having any energy mm. for anything else. That's uh, exactly. I'm with you. All right. <laughs> Timothy, uh, any big plans for the, for the weekend? I'll be I'll be interrogating data sets from the uh, National Institute of Health regarding population anomalies uh, in the Rio Grande Valley as part of a friggin' homework assignment. Wow, that sounds exciting. I don't I don't, I don't know why why I do why am I doing this? I know why. I'm trying to instill some plasticity in my aging brain or something because learning all this new jargon and procedures is difficult. Is it plasticity God. or elasticity? It's plasticity. That's that's the uh, correct term. I read it in the textbook. It must be true. Why? <laughs> what? Plasticity doesn't have to me a positive connotation relative to your brain. Elasticity oh, does. Expanding. What? No, no. It, it, plasticity is the, is the uh, uh, is a mechanism at which new neurons and dendrites are opened up normally in in some kind of like a cultural for older people in a cultural immersion context. I've, oh. I've actually read all this. Which might explain my peculiar ability to sometimes speak Dari and sometimes not. I don't know. Oh, I thought you were just speaking in tongues. I was confused. All right. <laughs> William, any big plans for the weekend? Yeah, I'm I'm getting up at three o'clock Saturday morning and driving to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then uh, Sunday I'm driving from Pittsburgh to uh Ithaca, New York. Awesome. Tell Ian, uh tell Ferg we said hi. I will. I will for sure. All right. Hi, right, boys. Thanks for the visit, as always. Happy New-, Happy New Year. Happy inauguration. Happy New Year. Yeah. Take care, guys. <laughs> See ya. See you, brother. There you have it. More of All Radio coming up next, right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. 
Yeah, this is pretty fucking depressing. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. And and yeah, more depressing sure. than Joe Biden, in my opinion, is just the complete lack of fucking leadership 